Hi, and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Giving space to the often unheard questions, doubts, hopes, and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen. And I'm Kathy, and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead. Kathy. Congratulations on being an award-winning co-host of a podcast. Wow, that's a pretty cool thing, isn't isn't it? it? Yeah, we really, really want to thank everyone who listens to us and engages with the the conversations that we have. And of course, for those of you who voted for us to win the Listener's Choice Award in the Baptist NZ Podcast Awards was a real thrill and really encouraging, wasn't it? So it was really encouraging because it, it, it says to us that people are appreciating the conversations that we are having. So again, thank you so much for being with us on this journey as we explore and as we enjoy talking to different people about the changes ahead that are necessary for the church if we're going to thrive into the future. But on to a new episode. It's really exciting for me. This is probably the closest guest to me that we've had. This is one of my sisters uh, who is a guest. I'll obviously introduce her in the episode. But for, for me, there's a number of things that stood out. But the key one really for me, is she talks about a really difficult time that she has gone through within her business space. But what sustained her was the way she was able to lead out of the deep values that she has. And I've been experiencing myself that when difficult times happen within church spaces that if I'm leading in a way that is aligned with the values that I hold dear then that makes those difficult times a little bit more manageable. And I want to pick up on that too Stephen because you know like you said her business had gone through a really hard time and she ended up feeling a very strong sense of failure but it it helped her to reflect on a powerful childhood message that she was destined and meant to change the world. And I really love the conversation around how she's now unpacked that and where she has landed. Mm, Yeah. So this story that Matt shares with us is a slightly different angle to perhaps what we're used to on on the Change of the Head podcast. And so we do touch a lot on the way that her faith and her values inform the way that she practices business, but also the way that that impacts the way that she parents. So we do cover a lot in the episode and in the last sort of 10 to 15 minutes is when we really get to focus on the changes ahead for the church. And so we really appreciated the way that she lands the whole conversation. Nat, welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Great to have you. And for those of you who don't know Nat, Nat is one of my sisters. I have three sisters and I'm really excited to to have you in the space and have a chat with with me and Kathy about some of your experience in life and particularly around business and parenting, which is Mm. strange things perhaps to link together. But I think it will become clear why we're having this chat with you. So thank you again so much for being with us. I'm looking forward to hearing um, what you have to say. It's a real honour. Thank you for having me. So before we get into some of those questions that we want to explore with you, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a mum of two. I'm a wife for coming up 13 years this year, and I run an HR recruitment and training consultancy out of Auckland with a nationwide team. I have grown up in the church and spent the last 10 years figuring out if I'd like to still be in the church. (laughs) And... Regardless of church involvement or the way that that's shifted and moved over those years, um, faith has been deeply woven in what I have done and how how my family lives. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, perhaps, as you've just touched on, can you talk a little bit about the, the values that you have brought into your, your business that you, you started a while back and how, how faith has kind of shaped those? Yeah, so I think that before I jump into that, I do just want to say I I'm thinking a lot about work and business and its role in in life and the community. And I think I'm quite hopeful about the role that it can have. So I have lots of ideas that I want to talk about really freely, but almost wanted to put out there so that I don't say it before I say every single sentence, that I haven't nailed everything I want to talk about. (laughs) And so when I've got ideas around what business could be or should be or what I'd love to do, it's it's out of a place of curiosity, trying, Mm. exploration, some things I think I've done well, but lots of it I'm just at such early early stages of exploring. So I just wanted to put that out there. But 
when I think about my role as, as a business owner, it probably is important to share what was happening in my life when I started the business mm. because our journey has been really shaped, I think, by the stage of life that I was in when the People Place started. I had come out of a corporate role that I had been in for I think six years and had left a job that on paper should have been my dream job. I, at a reasonably young age, was the business manager of New Zealand's largest publicly owned recruitment company. The whole thing should have been a big job, but the reality was I really didn't like it. I was really unhappy at work. And that, sorry, I should say, in that in the last year I was in that role, I was really unhappy. And I left really having no idea what I wanted to do, but knew that it was time for a change, that work needed to have a different role in my life than what it had had in the season that it had just been. So I left my job, didn't know what I was going to do, and on a whim, started a business. I talked to a previous client who asked me to do a piece of work for him that I wasn't particularly skilled to do. I told him that, but said I was happy to give it a go. And truly, without too much thought, said to him, I'm going to trade under a business called The People Place, so you'll see my invoices you know, from The People Place, and off we go. And so started the business with no real goals, and signed this contract between the people place and this client that was a 14-month contract where I would be in and out of this business doing a number of different pieces of work over that time. So I signed that contract on a Friday, and on the Monday I found out I was pregnant with our first child. (laughs) So at the time, whilst that was kind of exciting – It was a surprise and I thought, what on earth have I done? I've quit my job. I have no maternity leave. I've signed this contract. It's going to look bad. You know, I've kind of signed this client into this, these 14 month terms and now I'm going to bail. You know, it was not great. However, what I knew really quickly was that my options were to either try and get this work done in a shorter amount of time. At that point, I had thought that I wouldn't want to work when I had children. So I knew my options were to get the work done quicker, which I could do, shut down, you know, eight months, have the baby, and that was the end of the people place, or gather a team, try and get some more work enough to see if I could make something of this. But why that story is important is that from the literally the first day that the People Place existed, I knew that for this business to work, it was going to need to coexist really effectively with whatever starting a family was going to look like. And so that was a start. So I'm loving where this is going, but I just, while I had sort of an earlier question Mm. and it was, was about, are you able to name what was it that made you go, this is not the job for me? And, and you know, what was that? Because I think people listening, you know, so that maybe they can connect. Yes, I can. A lot of crying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so there's a sign, a lot of crying. So um, I will share that. I had loved my role. I was a recruiter, had um, done really well in recruitment. It's a sales job. This is agency recruitment. It's a sales role. I'm good with people. I had done well in the job and loved it. I loved dealing with candidates. I loved dealing with clients. I loved that I could bring, dare I say, an integrity to the process that was surprising for some clients. I think often agency recruiters are on par with used car salesmen. (laughs) And I think some of my clients were pleasantly surprised by Uh, their interactions with me. So I had done really well. I had loved it. It was a good job for me. I had moved into a team leader role where I got to support others who were on that journey and loved that. And then I moved into a business management position. So my shift at that stage, I had two team leaders that reported to me and I think maybe 13 or 14 consultants under those two. And so my shift came off people and onto numbers and growth and with a reasonably new team that wasn't doing very well in short and so I became a numbers person and for Mm. a year I sat in leadership meetings feeling uninspired or management meetings feeling uninspired I just felt like instead of actually the, the kind of team leader role was great for me because it was a people role and that step up just didn't capture my heart, my attention, if I'm being really honest, also because the team wasn't doing very well and I didn't feel like I was having a positive impact on changing that, I also 
the lack of succeeding in the role was hard for me too, but that wasn't that wasn't the thing that was upsetting me. It was the wrong role for me. And I actually left feeling like I would never lead again. I was like, I am done with this. This is not for me. And ultimately, I was playing tennis with Josh, my husband, the day before I was due to go back to work on, let's say, the 9th of January or something like that this year. And I had big dark glasses on, you know, it's, it's summer, we're playing tennis. And he just kind of yelled out over the court, everything okay over there? And I just remember I just had tears just streaming going, I don't want to go back to work. And we just looked at each other and went, it's time, it's time. You know, I hadn't been happy for most of that year in that role, but I think there was a sense of this as a big opportunity. There was a sense on this should be a good job. This should be the right job. You know, this the opportunity was so great that mm. I didn't want to just bail, but a year of trudging through was enough. And one thing I will say is that I wouldn't be able to do what I do now without the things I learned in that year. So I actually, there's no regret, but a year was enough. That was, mm. <laughs> there comes a time. But ultimately, it was, I wasn't working in a job that energized me, that I even felt like my contribution was particularly worthwhile. And I was feeling pretty sad. And so that it was time to go. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's a great reflection on recognizing who you are and what you bring mm. and then be able to go, no, this is, and, and even, even to be able to challenge the idea of moving up because oh, that's yeah. just the normal thing that, you know, I need to move up to the next big thing. No, and no, so to no. even, even name that, I think that's quite, quite significant. Mm. And also obviously, reflecting on once you realize that it's really showing in your body yeah that's a very important sign yeah 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 so yeah. thank you pleasure so late last year Nats we were together at a, a family event our, our grandfather's 90th birthday party um, and I as a cheeky older brother asked one of your staff who happens to be a cousin of ours what's it like having Nats as a boss and I was kind of just yeah kind of teasing really more than anything else. And and his response kind of stopped me in my track where I heard him say, I have never had a boss like Matt's. And just, he kind of unpacked that a little bit saying, you know, I, I feel really valued, not just for kind of the, the stuff that I bring to the business in my job, but actually just as an individual, as a human being in this organization because of the way that you lead. So I guess to, to bring you back to that earlier question, I, I think it would be great to hear about some of the values that drive you within the business that would result in in one of your staff. Uh, and he wasn't just saying that because you were there and all that sort of thing. Like there was yeah. a real sincere, genuine response to that. Yeah. So tell us yeah. what's, what drives you within the business space? Firstly, just hearing that does make my heart feel so full, not to not to be too cheesy about it, but I think to hear that from somebody who is in my care just makes me go, that is not the reason I'm in business, but certainly one of them. And so that's such a rewarding thing to hear. And obviously you can see me, you can see the big smile on my face, but that is awesome. That is awesome. And so in terms of the values and I do know I went on a tangent sharing the starting story, but yeah. why that is important is because it has, so from very early on, I knew that for work to work for my family, so if this business was going to be something, it was going to have to see me as a whole person who was now a mother. Mm. which meant that I wasn't going to have the time that I had. Well, I was choosing not to have the time that I've had previously for work. It meant that work was going to be one of the important things that I had going on in my life, not the only one, nor what I have said previously, work was the only important thing going on, on in my life. Mm. But you bring children into the mix and it really changes your availability, capacity, interest even. And so because that's where I was at, as the business did grow and I did build a team, I, I mean, it seems so obvious, but I, when I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I am not prepared to do myself. So for me, what that looked like is bringing people into a business where family and work uh, do not need to be in conflict. Both can be important. Both can exist in I don't necessarily want to say an equal measure because in different seasons, those things look different, but both can exist. And I think the other thing is that I had, this is specifically around mums, but I had heard lots of stories around mums having children and then having to decide either to go back to work when they were ready in a full-time capacity and then they get to pursue a cool career 
or they need to find a part-time job, but all of the part-time jobs were a bit mm. not great. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, that's exa- obviously the word I was thinking of. And so I thought it was really exciting to go, hold on, I've seen through the work that I've been doing in those early months while I was pregnant before I hired anyone else, that just because I'm working less hours isn't at all impacting the quality of work that my clients are getting. The um, kind of part-time became an irrelevant part of the picture. And so what was really exciting for me, especially in those early years, was that I was hiring people Mm part-time who were parents. Now, that wasn't a requirement. It's just Mm. kind of how it unfolded. And for me, I found so much value in going, this business actually allows people to do the family and parenting thing in the way that they want to, but also have really cool jobs where they're getting to contribute meaningful work that they like. And what I found very quickly was that way of being able to lead and that way of being able to grow a business was so motivating for me. Mm. And and I think because of what it did, I'm not normally this cheesy, but because of what it did to my heart, it actually just made me explore lots of things around that kind of idea that actually work is there to serve uh, lots of purposes. And I'm in charge. We get, I get to call the shots here. We get to call the shots on how we do this. And so from a values perspective, I think probably the first value is going family and work don't need to be in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. It looks like having reasonable expectations on people where they don't need to devote their entire, it's not just their time, but it's their mental energy, their, just not everything needs to be in the workplace for them to contribute meaningful work. And so, I mean, the, what I what I am really loving hearing, because I think this is a, a, um, a very important thing for businesses going forward, mm. is this idea of part-time. Yeah. And it's very hard for, I mean, I know friends who mm. want to have a good work-life balance and want to work yeah. four days, but they can't apply for some jobs that they would be fantastic at because they'll only do it for five. Yeah. Even yeah. this idea of, can we provide more jobs like that? I mean, I'm, I'm just fascinated by this thinking yeah. that allows for that. Yeah, and I think the thing, five days or 40 hours or whatever it is, is a construct, right? And yes. I actually had such an interesting conversation with someone this week who's really pioneering this space. So we, as business leaders, owners, managers, you know, whatever it may be, have the opportunity to challenge that construct. And I think for me, I just want to see less focus on hours, but the only way that that works for business, and it has to work for business as well as for the people, is if we can be really outputs focused. So if you can have real clarity on what the role needs to deliver for the business, then the what and how Mm. can have some more flexibility. And one thing I also want to say is this whole piece that we started in 2017 was very radical back then this idea of flexibility you know we all worked from home it was (laughs) radical (laughs) into COVID and now you know this we're in such a different world now in terms of even the baseline expectations of people in the workforce so so very pioneering so you were you were thinking really outside the box back then but again I think I think that's a generous way to put it the reality is I just got pregnant and had to figure it out (laughs) so So the thinking, I was kind of forced into the thinking, but it has become something I'm so passionate about. So definitely the work and life, uh, work and family, like that piece is a fundamental value. I think another one is that I've really thought about is what is the role that business has in society? So if you ask people what, you know, what is a business there for? Some might say to provide profit for the shareholders. Some might say, I don't know, there's probably lots of answers, but I think business can have a really significant role in the community that Mm. I'm really interested in continuing to explore. And What I mean by that is thinking, and again, this is one of those things where I'm going, I'm at early stages, I'm not nailing all of this, but I love this idea of going, okay, I have employees, I have people who work for the business, they work for the business for lots of reasons. One is their income, but it's not the only reason. But even on the income piece, this idea of going, if somebody works for me and this business is there to provide the income for that family, which might be one income, it might be two incomes, that's kind of by the by, I would love to see a world where we bring people into work going, what is your family need? What do you need to be able to contribute? It's not just financially, but do you need time to 
do school pickups? Do you want to be able to be at the kindy fair? Do you want to volunteer somewhere? You know, I don't know. I don't know what, but I feel like when we're thinking about bringing people into organizations, I would love to be having conversations around what do you need out of work that is more than what do we need to pay you? And again, I, and I'll say this over and over again, but that also needs to go alongside and here's what the business needs from you. So it is not, you know, it's not a, it's not a one-way street where business is just here to provide everything that people need. You know, that has to come backwards with going, great, that we can make that work and here's what the business needs from you. Do those two things align. But, you know, I think something else that I'm a, that I am aware of, especially being a, a mother in the workforce who didn't think that she would work. You know, I didn't think I would work when we had kids. But life is very expensive now and it's mm. it can be quite unrealistic to have one person at home you know with the family but by both parents being in the workforce potentially the availability to contribute to community activity and and not just in time but it's energy capacity you know mm. it's all of that stuff where if you're in a job it doesn't matter how many days a week but if you are not able to contribute to your community and that might even just be in friendship you know it's not necessarily in kind of formal voluntary stuff but that has an impact on society and so it does does. and so it really does yeah has a big role to Mm. play in what it enables for community and so when I think about values I think it's work and life but really just trying to think about what role business can play in the bettering of society and it's not just make money so you can give some away you know and make money so that you can then support charities now I'm all for making money and generosity but I think there's an opportunity to almost be generous earlier in the piece than just with your bottom line mm. when the business is making money which hasn't always happened let's talk a little bit about that then mm. You have been in a, a pretty, mm. the last 12 months or so have been pretty hard for you in, yeah. in the business. So how did these values that you've just kind of begun to unpack with us, mm. how did they sustain you in this really difficult, yeah, 12, it might be longer than that, but at least yeah. a year or so. Yeah. We, at the start of last year, I really staffed the business up for growth that we were expecting and we were experiencing. So we from a, we turned over more last year than we ever had and by quite a significant amount. Where I didn't nail business management was that I didn't keep my eye on the costs of running the business. And so whilst revenue was growing significantly, costs were growing even larger. Right. <laughs> and so we experienced growth, but not growth at the level that we were expecting for the size that the business was. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Park that for a moment. What happened last year was we were in the third year of COVID life and the business had been I don't want to say unscathed but in part we had actually been fine through the first couple of years of COVID but what happened last year for our team again lots of parents lots of parents of young children not all of us you know we do have different age children but several of us I think we were a team of 13 last year and I'm going to say 11 of them had children under five or something like that. Children were back in kindergartens, in school, daycare, whatever it may be. And the bugs that came, like the bugs that were coming home were just, it was constant. And even in our family, the four of us from March to October, I don't think I'm exaggerating that somebody was sick. So my availability to work last year was significantly less than it had been previously. And that was the same experience for a number of my staff. And so from a values perspective, what that meant in terms of how I was running the business was constantly going, don't worry about it take the day, be with your children. Like we actually just have to get through this together. This is brutal. We were all feeling it. And I think there was even a sense of being feeling grateful we were overstaffed. And I think the perspective I've got now is that it was actually a great thing, but we were completely overstaffed. But being overstaffed meant that actually people didn't need to be stressed when they needed to take a day or a week or a week after the week that they had just had. You know, And I am slightly exaggerating, but within the team, it was just like rolling bugs. And so what what happened to us though, is that in that, in the role that I had in the business is not a day-to-day, you know, it was a management role last year. And so I was looking at the business proactively rather than having specific things I needed to do on any given day. And what that means is that 
often it actually wasn't a big deal for me to be off for a day. Not many people were relying on things that I needed to execute again on, on any day. However, weeks and weeks or months and months of me being not particularly present hmm. uh, has an impact on the business. <laughs> Thankfully, because I do, I do like to think I add value when I'm there. And we, I sat in a meeting with our business advisor. Again, I can't remember the timeline, but I'm going to say September. And he said, oh, what's going on? You know, how come you're running at a loss at the moment? <laughs> and I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, well, I'm, y- you are. <laughs> and I, I feel like in that moment, my world kind of came cr- crumbling down because I had completely taken my eye off what <laughs> was going on. <laughs> and the sense of failure I felt in that moment of realizing that I had taken my eye off the ball, whatever it may be, and we were going backwards was quite significant. And in terms of your question around what sustained me is that it's that deep sense of purpose going from, I want to be in business to allow people to do great work, but allow them to also be present in their family Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so there was huge value and meaning for me in the way that we were working last year that it kind of feels like the point like to be in a workplace where you feel stressed about doing the thing you need to do in your life is not something that I want to create. Mm. The reality of the commercial impact of those decisions that we made in that time are such that I couldn't do that year on year on year to that level. And so, and as a business owner, I have a responsibility to, to run a sustainable business. So that was a moment in time where I think the, way we operated was possibly extreme. Anyone looking in would go get rid of half the people. I don't know what else. That's probably a good start. (laughs) But but that just wasn't the thing for us last year. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're naming the the tension, right? Between the the values of uh, of people of, yeah. uh, and the realities of business. And you yeah. said earlier, it is, this is a two-way street. It's mm. not just a matter of how mm. can we, yeah, uh, yeah, how can we make this work for you? It's how yeah. do we make this work for each other? And so, yeah, it's a tension, yeah. right? Like it is, a, it is, but it's such a good one. And I think where, where I was quite hard on myself when I realized that we were going backwards and I, again, I think my timings are a bit off, but I think when the business advisor talked to me, we might've been going backwards for two or three months right, and yeah. it then actually carried on for another six. So we had nine months of running the business at a reasonably significant loss. Wow. And again, the sense of failure in that for me was really massive. And I remember saying to Josh one day, I have one job. My one job is to make sure I run this business profitably. And he looked at me and he said, no, you don't. He said, profit is one of the things that we are looking for out of this business. And, you know, he really kind of brought me back in terms of what Mm. we are actually in business for. And I am totally comfortable. Businesses need to make make profit. Mm. There's no doubt. There's several reasons. I have no problem with that. But he really caught me in that and went, look at what you have created for the families in our care this year. And this is not your only, you know, stop it. Like this is, you don't have one job. And, and absolutely, I shouldn't have taken my eye off the ball, but I also worked about a day a week on average last, you know, you just can't do everything. And, and now I think with the beauty of hindsight and perspective and and Josh's wisdom as well around what, you know, what we're in business for last year was, I don't want a repeat of last year. Mm. However, there was something really beautiful in it as well. And yeah. yeah. And and you're, and you're, you're, you're speaking to um, this idea that it's in the wrestle, even though it's mm. super, super mm. hard, is where you do the thinking mm. because you don't have mm. to otherwise, you know, like otherwise we just yeah. are on automatic. This is the way yeah. we do things. And so we just yeah. carry them on. Yeah. So the fact that that created this space to keep mm. reflecting and keep asking those questions mm. I imagine now is part of what you're doing going forward yeah. you know so I think that's mm. I think that's really important that you've done that yeah, yeah. acknowledging the wrestle is part of the journey part yeah. and parcel yeah part of me goes of course like of course of course people need people are people they need to be able to do the things they need to do and again work is just one of them but it is this this wrestle of going what role does business have in life community families whatever and again we also need to hold that and I don't think I did this that well 
last year, but we also need to hold and what do we need from employees? Because it's mm. not endless sick leave, endless, don't worry about it. You know, you, that just doesn't work either. Mm. And so, again, there's lots of learning in this, mm. lots of learning in this for me that I'm early, early stages. So I imagine that this has been an incredible learning experience for you mm. in the midst of this wrestle. And so maybe you could tell yeah. us a bit about that. What have you learned about yourself? during this yeah there's a really obvious answer that's quite a big answer to this question but it's something that has I've learned over many years and I'm still learning but it's quite an exciting for me I think I have learned that I had a really strong belief from a really young age that I was destined to change the world (laughs) (laughs) and I I have learned about myself that me trying to change the world on my own is a deeply disappointing journey of failure. Mm. And so so I've been on a really interesting journey of unpacking that and recalibrating that message. So for me, going back to my childhood, I have this really early memory of starting school. And early on, I think somebody must have noticed a little bit of leadership potential in me or something at the grand age of five and I remember a teacher saying to another teacher and saying oh I think we have a little bell ringer on our hands now Kathy and Stephen what you won't know is that the bell ringer was the destiny of the great pupils at Epsom Normal Primary School it was the most prestigious (laughs) high responsibility role where you got to ring the bell several times a day yeah I can imagine wow great yeah And uh, that was spoken over my life at five years old. So I knew that I was destined for a grand life. And uh, five years later, six years later, I get to year six. And did I get that bell ringer role? No, I did not. (laughs) And so that, but that story, and, you know, I could share several more, some that got more significant of this idea that I was destined for something great and then failure to achieve that great thing. It kind of outworked a couple of other times that I can think of through my early years and then got to 18 where I went to plant a a youth church in Christchurch. And again, Christchurch was the city that the best church planting 18-year-olds were going to be going to. And I got Christchurch. (laughs) And it was a total flop. Like that is an understatement. And so again, the sense of the building up, which to be mm. honest, I, I think whoever was speaking this into my life, which to be honest, actually wasn't my parents or family. I think it was wider, well-intentioned, very well-intentioned mm. people. But my little ears just hear this sense of grandeur that my life was going to have. And then instead of that, I think it probably did spur me on to try some interesting things, but this constant sense of failure and not just in the big, but I think things like I have always loved to give meals to people when they're sick, babies, whatever, you know, that 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 kind of hospitality piece. And I would do things like drop a meal off and then leave and go, oh my gosh, I should have thought about dessert or I didn't do a bottle of wine. I'm so like, what a shocking, what a shocker, what an absolute shocker. So instead of seeing the the gesture and the kindness or generosity or whatever it is in the action and the contribution and the effort, I would often just see where I would fall short of grandness. And so Mm. when I realized what an impact this was having on me, I went and got some counseling about it, or actually possibly I I saw a counselor who helped me draw out this dialogue. I think that's actually what it was. She helped me identify that this had been a theme and that in and of itself, you know, blew my mind actually being able to put into words that yes, these experiences that were different, but had a similar passion to them were actually having a huge impact on the way that I was seeing myself. Yeah. Well, so you're really naming a very powerful narrative that I think Mm. is both in the culture and in our churches. Yes. They're both reinforced in those spaces where it's about the superstar. Mm. And and we see it and all of the celebrity and then we want to imitate that. And so it really does set us up. And yet we need a kind of a new, nuanced approach, I think, to it because it's not all negative. There is something no. about aspiring to be more and yeah. and to have that. 
But what you're saying is it's all on you. That's an incredibly powerful narrative. And so I have two thoughts that maybe you could speak to is this idea of how we shift that. And I I get the sense now that there's been a shift Mm. where it's not all on you. And so where have you gone? Because maybe it's about a people that can do it together. Yeah. So maybe you could speak to that. But I also wonder how that would have affected your parenting. (laughs) Because if you have received those messages as a child, I mean, look, it is so natural and easy to want to encourage our kids. Mm. And we Mm. all do it. I hear it all Mm. the time. Mm. But not recognizing how extreme or where our children can take that. So tell me. How yeah. is this changing your parenting? So maybe go there first and then come back to how it's changing the way then you do it in your work life. Yeah, great. So the parenting thing is a funny question because <laughs> this is in some ways quite a recent thing that I've been unpacking. And Kiara started school at the start of this year. So she turned five at the end of last year, started school. And her first writing assignment as a five-year-old came home with the question, how are you going to change the world or how would you like to change the world? And you can, I nearly booked a meeting with the teacher. You know? It's like, my daughter will not be writing a, such a story. But what, um, it's impacted my parenting because I have really found myself saying things to Kiara like, I'll be really honest, like, you can be whatever you want to be, contribute to whatever you want. Like I think my dialogue with her has been much more around contribution to something mm. rather than what are you, well, even what are you going to do? You know, actually going, what is what is interesting? What is capturing your mind? She's quite a clever little girl. You know, she's, yeah, she is quite clever. And so mm. I want to encourage her towards things, but without a sense at five years old on responsibility or even expectation from me on what or from Josh and I on what we will what we expect of her and so when this assignment came back from school I did it did kind of make my blood boil at first and I had to really check myself going this is much more about my journey than the question being inherently wrong but I found myself asking her things like I almost tried to make her world very small in the way that she answered it and that she said things like you know, maybe I could go to bed and wake up already in my uniform and that would change the mornings. And I was like, awesome. You know? <laughs> but, it sounds glorious uh, as a parent. I know, it would change the world. But Josh and I then started a kind of interesting conversation around we don't want to make her world small or for her to only think, you know, internally or, yeah, we don't want to make her world small. We do want her to see problems in the world and want to be part of solving part them. Of. <laughs> yeah, we want we mm. want her world to be big and we want to encourage her towards great things if she so pleases in a community. And so yeah, she actually ended up writing this quite gorgeous story around picking up rubbish on the beach, which was, you know, which was really lovely and part of a bigger plan and, you know, whatever it may be. But it yeah, I think I've been on this journey first of going, this was my experience, which I'm then putting on her and actually making her, you know, having no expectation of what she's going to do in her life, no building her to be something grand. Mm. But I think the the shift there is going, actually, some of those things help push us towards really meaningful things we can do in our lives. And if we have no expectation on her or no Uh, We want to have warm expectation on her in terms of possibly behaviors or ways of living or ways of being, but not on achievements or things that she can, I absolutely want her to do things that she fails at. But I think I just want to really fight against this dialogue that any children or or any person on their own is destined for greatness. Well, even, even thinking about, you know, the definition of a company, Mm. It's the idea that you can do more together mm. than you could on your own. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the fundamental reason for companies is that yes. what you can collectively do. Yeah. And so it's shifting the focus to what we can contribute together. Yes. And that feels the powerfulness of being able to change the world yeah. rather than the focus on the individual being the superstar. And that has real problems. And so I think the collective idea of contributing. Yeah, is massive. It's mm. really massive. Mm. And I think what, what's been a real joy for me in very recent times, and again, kind of lovely that we're doing this, having this conversation today, is that 
I found myself in a context last week with a number of business owners who are all having similar conversations around work and the role that business has in community and society. And I honestly feel a a rekindling of that interest and actually going, we can change the world. Like actually, if there are several businesses, most of them a lot larger than my little business. But if we are in this together, we can actually have a really powerful impact on the role of work, on the role of business, on on what that looks like in our societies. And the key difference in that space and that dialogue was the togetherness of it. Mm. And so I almost feel like those words, you can change the world, have been completely redeemed for me because I'm like, yes, totally. Like there is power here. There is business can be kingdom building. Like I've even laughed at some of the more religious words that have come back into my dialogue since I've been in this this context but that I feel so passionate about but it's in the community in the ecosystem of businesses together that will make the difference rather than me trying to run this consultancy with that currently has five staff and I have two children you know it just the sense of togetherness in it is so powerful and so if I talk to you again in another year, I would really hope that my thinking had evolved even more and possibly some of that hurt around the that narrative that had actually been quite damaging for me. I think I'm kind of at early stages of that being really shifted and now just wanting to have it in a different context with a depth to the narrative that I didn't have. Well, my little mind didn't pick up mm-hmm. when I was young. So, mm. yeah. So... This is the Changes Ahead podcast focusing on the, the church. Is, yeah. yeah, And we've obviously talked a lot about business and, we, and faith has popped up a couple of times. You mm. said at the beginning that you spent the last 10 years or so figuring out whether you want to be a part of the church or, or what that kind of looks like while faith yeah. still being a key component of, of life throughout that. Yeah. How does that wrestle that you've been on in these last 10 years intersect with your work life and your mm. family life? Mm. Let's start with family. When I think of church, I'm I am not thinking of the kind of the four walls building congregation. And I say that because I probably have been to church to a church. Well, I'd well be honest, maybe four times a year for the last ten years, perhaps. So Mm. that is that's the kind of level and not around not specifically around events or anything, you know, that that I mean like attending a church and so when I think of church, I, th- I honestly do think of the kind of body of Christ and it's impacted my parenting mass- massively. And I, mm. I have to say our parenting, Josh is an incredibly involved dad. We definitely do this mm. together. And that like everything, we're questioning what are we here for and what mm. are our roles as parents in the body of Christ? I think that looks like looking at our family, but also beyond that, you know, I think there's real power in not just the nuclear family. And so trying to figure out what that looks like in terms of relationships with others, some are closer, you know, what does that mean for our, uh, the relationships with our neighbor? What does that mean for neighbors? What does that mean for the relationships with the school parents, the kindy mums, the, it's kind of just about being in the world and what are we here for? I love that. I just wrote that down. What a great question. What are we here for? And that's shaping your engagement. Yeah, so I think I might just circle back to the four walls part of church because the other side of that is that we, Kiara and I, oh, Kiara and now Raf and I have gone to mainly music at our local Presbyterian church for the last five years. And that is the church that we are a part of. So when we think about our church, it's the Presbyterian church that's up the road from us. And it's a congregation of people who would be, don't quote me on the stats, but I must say 70% of the church would be over 75 years Mm. old. And most of those people live on our street. And so it's the kind of place where we, if we are wandering along again, not very often, but when we are, we're bumping into people who are also walking to church. But even when it's not the Sunday, the people who go there are in our community. And so Mm. it's a church to go to to contribute to you know it's a church that is so outward focused it's actually just a beautiful body of people that feels like a real privilege to be involved in but it's not what I think of as church from years gone by when I've been involved in big happy clappy churches very impressive music teams which is also awesome and I haven't like absolutely awesome but yeah but for us in this current stage it's so beautiful to be involved in the local church Mm. and 
But I, yeah, again, I see it so much outside of Sunday services. You know, they do things through the week. They, yeah, for us, it's just not so much about that Sunday morning. Yeah, one thing in terms of the body, I think when I think about the last 10 years and our involvement in church and faith and, yeah, in Christianity, I guess, I have said several times, Stephen, that you and my conversations with you and the openness and transparency and and total lack of judgment around questioning, I would say you are one of, maybe the only one, but you are one of very few people who actually make me want to be a Christian. And so I think even in these 10 years, in these 10 years where I have been so removed from church, you have been a massive connector of me with faith. And so, yeah, I wanted to say thank you for that and acknowledge that because Mm. these conversations are so powerful and you have a beautiful way of allowing conversation that's not judgmental, far from it, just open it. We're just going, let's just talk it out and hash it out and think about it. And that's really powerful. Mm. So I don't know if I've said that to you. Based on the possible slight tear in your eye, I think (laughs) that's beautiful. (laughs) That's that's beautiful. Yeah, it's true. And... Mm. I don't want to, um, Stephen, you're, you're, you're sitting in that moment. So if you've got something to, to share from that. But what I'm imagining is that what you've modeled, Stephen, with your sister, is that then affecting your parenting? Is that the way then you will parent to allow space, curating mm. space for your kids to have questions? That's and that that becomes the place that you, yeah. I, oh, I love that because yes, and I would never have gone there without that prompt, but yes, I think, yeah, that's so, yes, yes. So I think um, in the way that we talk to, so in terms of our kids, Kiara's five and a half, Raph, it's three today, actually, it's his birthday. Um, uh, Raph is tiny, you know, he's he's little, but Kiara does have this quite wonderful mind. And I think we are so happy to share with her our thoughts on, on things, including faith but never afraid to say, what do you think? Or what, you know, I think we would like to have her grow up in a Christian environment, which means our home, you know, friends, family, community, church, all of those things. But I want her to be free to explore, make her own decisions, question. I'm really comfortable with a sense of right or wrong on certain behaviors or things that we do, but in terms of beliefs and wrestling with things that she hears, I feel like we're a pretty open book about that and I want to retain that because I think one of the reasons that, well, I guess this is just becoming an adult, but you know when you're young, things are so, can be so black and white and I over the years have kind of learned to be a little bit more comfortable in the grey. I kind of feel like I'm keen to have her comfort, a little bit more comfortable in the grey early on and not, you know, even this idea of there was such a like Christian or non-Christian or right or wrong, or this is what the Bible says and this is not what it says. And that, I'm not sure that that division is that useful. And so lots of exploration. Yeah, Kathy, I think you probably said it better than I did, but I just want to say yes to what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. That's cool. And is it our job as parents to make sure our children are Christians? I don't think it is. So why does it matter then what <laughs> sorry that's probably quite a big thing to say i don't it is not it is not my responsibility to make sure that my children are christian i think it's my responsibility to share our beliefs our thoughts our hopes for humanity where we see god fitting into that but invite them on that journey and mm. hope that that journey journey is compelling enough and that she has and I say both of the children, I just think specifically Kiara because of her age, that she has an interest in exploring that for herself. But I just, I don't carry that pressure or mm. weight. I just don't, I think that possibly other generations would. In fact, I know that they do, but I don't think as parents it's our weight. Yeah. And maybe I could circle back to, you know, where we started off in business. You are embodying your values in your business, mm. which you are inviting your kids to mm. to see and to be able to reflect yeah. on. So I think that yeah. is just a different way of doing it. Yeah. You're living you're living out of it. 
Kiara has recently asked me to, if she can start a business because I think, to be honest, she wants to be able to buy more ice cream than we buy her. And so she's figuring out she needs to earn her own money. And and so we actually, her and I are going to have a little candle stall at the Koei Church Fair later this year where she's going to be able to first pay Josh and I back for the reasonably significant investment we've made in getting this business off the ground. But then we said to her that if we are able to cover the costs of making these candles and the the business generates a profit, that we are going to require that she saves some of that money, that she is going to be able to have some to spend and that she's going to need to give some away. And so we're going to need to find a, a way for her to be able to do that because I was completely uninterested in her. I think she said to me she was hoping to make $70 because she could make buy seven pizzas with it. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Yes, I'm not having it. I'm not I'm not spending hours of my time so that you can have seven pizzas. But if you want to spend twenty dollars and save twenty dollars and give twenty dollars away, I'm here for that. You know, but I think in terms of the going, if she sees us in business and thinks we're making money, which we are sometimes and sometimes we're not, that we just then get to, you know, spend willy nilly. I just you know, I think it is that just those lessons early on of going, What are we here for? What is this about? Mm. Uh Pizza may be one of the joys of business owning, but not the only one. So anyway, (laughs) yeah. Sadly, we are coming to the end of our time together, Mm. Nat. It's been so fascinating to hear Mm. some of your stories and the experiences and things you've learnt. And I am still struggling for words after your your kind words earlier. Mm. Thank you for those. I wonder, as, as we finish, what would your encouragement be to people who are perhaps in more, more frequently in those four walls that you talked about mm. and how we can see some changes that would help this process, both of parenting and business, uh, yeah. Yeah, f- for those who might be thinking about those, those things. What, what would you say to, to them? Yeah, my encouragement would be to find the thing that is capturing your attention or your mind or your heart and contribute to working towards that. So if you are seeing something that doesn't sit well, that you're seeing something that you would like to see different done differently, I think we have to think about churches environments that we can contribute to. And so find the thing that you want to contribute to in those four walls and go for it. Mm, great. Yep. I just want to say thanks. This has been such a, a just heartwarming but also really insightful. You know, just to be able to reflect on the the narratives that we have um, built up and really appreciated your honesty and vulnerability in that. So thank you for this conversation. It's such a big conversation. I feel like we've Mm. kind of only scratched the surface, but maybe Mm. in another year we go again. Uh, (laughs) We're going to book that in. In another year, we will be back here. Yeah, cool. So oh, thank, thank you for, for having me. It's it, you two are an inspiration. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like a real honor to be a part of it on this side of the table. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast. If that resonated with you, or you've got thoughts about the changes ahead for the church, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch on Instagram or Facebook at Changes Aheadcast. Or email us at the changes ahead podcast at gmail.com. See you next time.